It's 11 minutes before the hour. You're listening to Raven Radio, KCAW Sitka. Today is Tuesday, November 15th, 2022. I'm Aaron Fulton with Raven News. The Sitka Fire Department responded to a kitchen fire on the 1400 block of Johnston Street shortly before 7 p.m. on Sunday. The caller was cooking something in the oven when it caught fire. Nine firefighters responded to the call. When they arrived, smoke was lingering in the kitchen, but the oven fire was out. It had smothered itself out due to lack of oxygen. No injuries were reported. There's been no significant change in statewide results of last Tuesday's general election in Alaska, as more absentee and early ballots are accounted for. Here are some things to remember about the ballot count in Alaska, as reported in the nonpartisan Alaska Beacon. There have been about 218,000 ballots counted through last Thursday from all 402 precincts in the state. This total includes everyone who voted in person on Election Day, about 167,000 people. In addition, the Division of Elections has counted over 50,000 advanced ballots that were cast through November 3rd. Early ballots cast from November 4th to November 7th have not yet been counted. That number is just over 34,000 ballots. There are still over 15,000 ballots that the division mailed out, but had not yet received by last Thursday, the last working day of the week before Veterans Day on Friday. So that could put the total number of early votes yet to be counted close to 49,000. This is not far out from the norm for the last several midterm elections in the state. The additional votes have not brought much movement to the most closely watched races. Incumbent Republican Senator Lisa Murkowski has moved to within one percentage point of her far-right challenger, Kelly Shabaka, although neither candidate has reached the 50 percent mark that would eliminate the need for tabulation of second-place votes on the ranked-choice ballot used by Alaskans this year. For Congress, incumbent Democrat Mary Peltoa also lacks a majority, although she has such a large lead over her two challengers, Sarah Palin and Nick Begich, that there's little doubt that a second round of tabulation would win her the seat. Incumbent Republican Governor Mike Dunleavy is the only statewide candidate with over 50 percent of the vote so far. Unless the outstanding advance votes go heavily for one of his two challengers, Les Guerra or Bill Walker, it's unlikely that he'll need to go to a second round to win another term in office. Locally, both Rebecca Hemshoot, an independent candidate running to represent Sitka in the state house, and incumbent Republican Senator Bert Stedman, seeking re-election to the state Senate, have maintained strong leads. The Division of Elections will release its next updated vote count sometime on Tuesday. It will conduct the tabulation for ranked choice voting on November 23rd at 4 p.m. A group of Alaska Native veterans has returned from Washington, D.C., where they attended a dedication for the first-ever monument honoring Native American veterans. Benno Cleveland, an Inupiat who lives in Fairbanks, says Friday's ceremony was a deeply spiritual experience. You could feel that peacefulness there. You could feel the healing. It was a peace within our spirit and within our heart. It felt good. The memorial is near the Smithsonian's Museum of the American Indian, a giant steel circle that rests on a carved stone drum with a burning torch inside. Cleveland says a procession that led up to the dedication was also a healing experience. He marched with about 1,500 veterans. It was great to be down there with all the veterans from all across the United States, Hawaii, and Alaska. It was great to see them being honored in a good way, the first time ever in the United States history. Cleveland walked alongside a group that was sent to the dedication by the Doyon Native Corporation. 
He hopes the march makes the service of Native veterans more visible to the rest of the country and will help call attention to the needs of rural veterans who don't have access to important services. Alaska Senator Dan Sullivan spoke of the dedication ceremonies. Adam Crum will be taking over the Department of Revenue, Governor Mike Dunleavy announced on Monday. Crum currently leads Alaska's Department of Health. Along with Chief Medical Officer Ann Sink, Crum was one of the main faces delivering health and safety updates to Alaskans during the COVID-19 pandemic. In his announcement, Dunleavy called Crum a skilled and dedicated public servant. Crum was commissioner of the state's Department of Health and Social Services from 2018 until February of last year when the department was split and Crum became head of the health department. Heidi Hedberg was named acting health commissioner following Crum's new position. Hedberg has worked for the department since 2009, recently serving as director for the Division of Public Health. Hedberg and Crum are set to start their new jobs on Wednesday. Crum's position is subject to approval from the legislature. While Alaska's election hasn't been certified yet, Dunleavy is in a comfortable position in his bid for re-election with 52 percent of the vote, just over the threshold to avoid a ranked choice runoff election. A flightless bird native to Australia is now making a home on the Kenai Peninsula, at least in small numbers. One man in Anchor Point has been working for three years to bring emu to Alaska. KDLL's Riley Board has his story. Emu are pretty exceptional birds. Averaging almost six feet tall, they're the second tallest bird in the world after only ostriches. They weigh more than 100 pounds, and they can't fly. But like more conventional chickens and turkeys, they're also considered poultry. They're harvested for meat, leather, and oil. And as of this summer, they're considered legal livestock in the state of Alaska, thanks to an anchor point man named Pike Ainsworth. Ainsworth was inspired to raise emu in Alaska after learning about emu farmers in Maine and British Columbia. He ordered some eggs and managed to hatch one. It was really neat. It grows so fast. It's a a really cool little creature. Then he discovered emu weren't on the clean list, a register of livestock allowed in the state without a permit. He started working to get emu on that list in 2019. But it wasn't so easy. Ainsworth said he encountered resistance from the Board of Game, the authority that greenlights what animals go on the clean list. Board of Game Executive Director Christy Tibbles says the board only addresses the clean list every three years, and they weren't set to do so until 2021. That meeting was ultimately delayed until the spring of 2022, because of the COVID-19 pandemic. Ainsworth submitted an agenda change request to bring his proposal before the board earlier, but it was denied. Tibble says it did not meet the board's criteria for an out-of-cycle request. Finally, in March of this year, Ainsworth was able to make his case before the board. Food security is an extremely serious issue, especially now during wartime, COVID-19. Stores have been consistently out of food. The price of meat has skyrocketed, making red meat unattainable to most Alaskans. I have a proposal. I'd like to add emu to the clean list. He told the board that emu meat is more nutritious than beef, that it's eaten by extreme athletes as fuel, and that the birds put less of a strain on the land than other livestock. He also said emu require little feed and water and grow quickly.
emu can be hatched from an egg and be ready to market within six months. Ryan Scott, an assistant director at the Alaska Department of Fish and Game, says the board needed time to review Ainsworth's proposal because birds often carry a slew of diseases. However, they looked into it, and he says there didn't appear to be any issues. We would anticipate very little impact on Alaska's indigenous species. That's Scott speaking at the board's deliberation on Ainsworth's proposal three days after his testimony. The state veterinarian didn't have any concerns either. Scott notes that emu are not under any threat of becoming endangered. The proposal passed unanimously and went into effect several months later. Since then, Ainsworth says he's had several farmers thank him for getting emu on the clean list, allowing them to raise their birds without fear of retribution. He says on top of the health and food security benefits, emu just make great pets. They're really a bonding animal, almost like a dog. They're just super loving. They're not, you know, dangerous creatures. Ainsworth currently has two emu and plans on getting more. He also designed a geodesic dome to house his birds without heat in the winter, made of concrete with air bubbles that provide insulation. He shares that design and his knowledge about raising emu with others who are interested. In Kenai, I'm Riley Board. Taking a look at the community calendar. The Pies, Plants, and Sweets online auction is live Monday, November 21st at 10 a.m. Successful bidders will benefit the mission work of the United Women in Faith of United Methodist Church of Sitka. Go to charityauction.bid slash sitkafall22. For questions, call Julia at 738-6336. Sitka Sprouts, a free preschool program for children aged 3 to 5 and their parents, is at 10.30 a.m. Tuesdays at the Sitka Sound Science Center through April. Each session begins with a story followed by hands-on crafts and activities related to the story's theme. For more information, call 747-8878. Outer Coast offers free Klinget open online courses for all skill levels noon, Tuesdays and Thursdays, November 8th through December 13th. You can find registration link on the community calendar posting. And Sitka Tells Tales, the local live storytelling series, returns at 7 p.m. today, live on KCAW and in person at the Mean Queen. The theme is mysterious. Stories of ghosts, UFOs, aliens, and others. Doors open at 6 p.m. The suggested donation is $15. Hosts are Art Change Inc. and Raven Radio. For more information, call 738-2174. I'm Erin Fulton, and this has been Raven News.